When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. The Sporting Capital on SEN, your home of sport. We do jump into the Sporting Capital on this uh, Tuesday night for the next uh, four hours. Happy to take uh, your calls, one 736 736 or on the temper text, 433 On the menu tonight, Australian basketball great Michelle Timms to weigh in to the Liz Cambage uh, situation. Without bias uh, for the Lawn Bowls fans out there, it's always a staple of the Sporting Capital. After 8.30 every Tuesday night, we'll have a chat to Jackaroo Barry Lester and, of course, uh, Steve Glassom, uh, former uh, great Jackaroo and uh, national coach uh, for the past uh, 10 years. Uh, Tokyo Bound uh, is back uh, tonight uh, from 9 o'clock. Uh, Raylene Boyle, three silver medals at an Olympic Games or across two Olympic Games. Of course, Mexico City and uh, Munich. And uh, Lisa Curry will also hear from as well on Tokyo Bound. Uh, also, we're going to get up to the heart of Australia tonight to Alice Springs to catch up with Adrian Renzi, who I've known for a long time. He hosts Central Australia today on 8HA. It's probably one place you'd well just be happy to be. I think they had a very brief three-day lockdown, Alice. We've learned in the last hour or so that the Northern Territory looks like they may shut their borders to Greater Adelaide. The borders have been slammed shut right across Australia, but uh, Adrian Renzi to give us uh, his view a little bit uh, later on. We'll uh, check in with the Greyhounds as well. Some uh, great Greyhound action uh, coming up uh, tonight and uh, across uh, the next few days. But what we do know uh, tonight, the Port Adelaide will play its first ever home game at Marvel Stadium on Friday night. Collingwood was told of the fixture change uh, late this afternoon following a day of chaos and confusion. The MCG is free on Friday night, but it's understood uh, the league wanted to avoid uh, giving the Magpies a home grant advantage. Uh, Docklands was uh, Port's uh, preferred destination. Uh, the AFL has also informed Adelaide and Hawthorne that their match will be played at Marvel Stadium on Saturday night, uh, all in light, of course, of Adelaide uh, into a lockdown as we speak. Uh, just a short time ago for the next uh, seven days at least, possibly more, who knows. Uh, the game was originally slated to being earlier in the evening to allow the Hawks to fly out of South Australia, but uh, since that it is no longer a consideration, it'll run almost concurrently with Melbourne's game against uh, the Western Bulldogs. So both uh, Port Adelaide and Adelaide are on a nine o'clock flight tonight from Adelaide to Tullamarine uh, and uh, are going to bunker down here in Victoria. So it certainly has been the most bizarre day of this uh, COVID chaos. Uh, got even more weird uh, today, I think, from about 1 or 2 o'clock onwards. It was changing uh, by the half hour. Uh, both clubs were told they would fly to Melbourne. After all, there was a phone hookup between the AFL with the Crows and the Power late in the afternoon confirming the news. Uh, neither club uh, would have been allowed to train in Adelaide for the rest of this week. And 
uh, set to board a flight, as I mentioned, uh, later on tonight. So their bags were already packed when they were told earlier that they would actually be staying the night in uh, South Australia. So a lot going on, uh, certainly with uh, the Port Adelaide and Adelaide situation. Now, the AFL today has also told the 18 clubs they are revising the industry's uh, finances, given the huge uh, extra costs of the last uh, few weeks until there is uh, more certainty. Uh, the league will not be able to uh, notify clubs of the exact salary cap or soft cap figures for next year. Um, it's understood that uh, the CEOs from all the 18 teams uh, today were told the soft cap would be increased by $250,000 to $500,000 for the 2022 season. Uh, that would take the number above uh, 6.5 million, but keep it below 7 million. Uh, before COVID-19, uh, football department spending rose to more than $9 million, of course. The salary cap, uh, which was cut by $1.4 million after the virus hit, is still being worked through with the AFL Players Association and won't be known for uh, quite some time. The meeting was held online, chaired by the AFL, uh, which also confirmed a portion of the additional soft cap amount would need to be spent on the health and well-being of employees, including players, uh, West Coast, uh, Sydney, Geelong, Collingwood, Fremantle and Richmond were a few of the clubs that lobbying for a $1 million plus increase to the soft cap. Uh, others such as uh, the Gold Coast, St Kilda, Essendon and Hawthorne advocated a smaller rise. North Melbourne's preference was for the soft cap to remain as it is for another year and uh, teams can spend uh, more than the allotted amount, but have to pay a tax of 75 cents for every dollar they go over the AFL-mandated uh, figure. So that's uh, some of the news coming out of the uh, the CEO's meeting uh, earlier uh, today. Just a, a few other bits on uh, SCN, if you haven't been listening to the radio all day. Justin Lepage, always uh, must listening with um, Jared Waitley out of 9 o'clock uh, every Tuesday. How do you say on a couple of clubs, uh, firstly, on the Hawthorne situation, and we played a bit of Jared earlier on Time On regarding the Clarkson and Sam Mitchell uh, set up, and then Justin Lepich uh, weighed in with uh, his view. Well, no, uh, it's good. It's always going to be an interesting mix. I mean, every football club is filled with personalities and egos, so um, it always happens. There's always tensions within players. There's always tensions within staff. Uh, we don't tend to see that, but coaching staff fight all the time. Uh, it happened at Richmond, and we won three out of four flags. So. Don't act like it's not normal because it is normal. So there always is tensions within football clubs. So um, this this to say this could cause tension would not surprise me one bit because it's quite public in its nature. Um, anything that's internal can be controlled. Everything anything external like that, this now is very difficult. Can you see it working? Is I know you've uh, had a couple of weeks to chat about this. We haven't chatted about it together. Can you see a handover working? Um, it, it's going to be a challenge. I would have thought it's almost like a, a divorced couple that still live together in a lot of ways. Um, it, it, and uh, what are the kids going to be like? You know, it, will they sense something? It, it, either way, at worst, it's going to be awkward. And and that's that's about it. Uh, sorry, at best, it's going to be awkward. And at worst, it can be something even worse. So that that's probably where it's going to be. But hey, they might be able to do it, which is awesome, which is surprise everyone um, and, and, and work through it. Um, a lot of people probably see, cynically think it's not going to work, um, given the fact it's going to be a difficult challenge for both of them. If you were Sam Mitchell, do you think you'd want to get on with it? Yeah, I could see that. Um, I, I think Sam needs to realise the best thing for him is to have probably Clarko for another 12 months. And if it's not Clarko, a senior figure. Um, because we all, and I was the same when I first started at the Lions, you just want it, you want your team, you want to get going. But sometimes having that buffer there for you, um, at worst it's going to buy Sam some more time. 
Um, we, we once that clock's ticking, Sam, you're done. So, and sometimes, you know, you get a look at David Teague. It's just time that, that catches up with you. You might only be two years in, two and a half years in, and then people start thinking that's enough time. Some people get a little bit more time given their history and who they are. And, and but either way, you know, what's wrong with it, particularly in a developing team, having a guy there that's going to do a little bit more development for you? He should look at it like that as opposed to, I just want my own team stubbornly, if that makes sense. I think it makes perfect sense. I think, I mean, everyone's sung the praises of uh, Justin Lepich. I've been able to do a few games with uh, Lepich. He is, uh, he's been a star this year. It's been quality uh, material that's uh, come out of his mouth just from uh, the game, you know, day-to-day tactics, uh, you know, really inside the, you know, the magnets and then just that holistic uh, view on a footy club. I think he's, he's given us a, a great insight. Uh, one on the text said, Jared is 100% correct from that grab we played earlier. What happened between Paul Ruse and John Longmire was a succession plan because Ruse initiated it and he wanted out. Well, that is fact that uh, that was a different scenario to, to Malthouse and Buckley. Uh, Hawthorne can try to spin it any way they like, but at the end of the day, Clarkson's contract will not be renewed and he's been given 12 months to clean out his locker. I wish everyone would shut up about Clark Owen and let him coach. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't want to bang on about it all night, but you're entitled to have your say if you like, but... Um, I hope that um, it just plays out like it, like it should. Um, what, what's wrong with a, a club having a, a, a transition? I mean, these two guys, whilst they mightn't be the absolute best of friends, there is an absolute mutual respect for what Sam Mitchell and Alistair Clarkson went through as coach and player and uh, lifting a Premiership Cup together, the first one that the Hawks won out of the four. So... Alistair Clarkson, certainly in my eyes, doesn't deserve to have a frosty send-off from the Hawthorne Football Club. It should not be that way. Um, will he coach again? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not totally, uh, absolutely, uh, categorically sold on that. To be totally honest, the way I read it, but there'll be plenty who will be uh, knocking on the door. We'll see how it pans out. No doubt. Uh, Justin Lepich also on Melbourne. I think everyone's. And look, I've said a few things last night, called Melbourne on the weekend. They're doing so much right. They're in a better position than what Port Adelaide are, who haven't been able to beat any teams in the top eight. So that's the good thing for Melbourne. They've beaten all the teams they should around them who are going to be contending for that premiership come September. And if they beat the Bulldogs for a second time uh, this weekend, there's no doubt we um, continue to have a bit of faith in Melbourne. I think everyone can see the deficiencies they would know internally, Justin Lippich, with his own lens on Melbourne with Jared earlier today. Oh, it, it kind of just shows no team, even the great teams, and anyone particular year is perfect and and can and have any every part of it. And this is Melbourne's thing for this year. I remember one year at the Lions, I think we lost four or five games maybe for the year, and they're all by under a goal or 10 points. Lee just kept getting us. Why do you keep losing all the close ones? It's like, well, <laughs> so it's like, come on, man. Like we it's, we lose the close ones because we get within a goal with every game. That's why you, it's, it's very hard to actually beat us. So if you do beat us, you're probably only going to just get over the line. But it kept getting asked. Yep. So um, this is probably Melbourne's thing. But again, it's not going to kill them, I don't think, at the end of the season because it's not going to matter. But it is something that they've got to address. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can take the conversation wherever you like on this Tuesday night on uh, SCN, if you're bunkered down, which everyone is in, uh, of course, lockdown at the moment, you're kicking back, give us a call, be part of the discussion. Let's talk some footy. Sport is 
the great spirit lifter. I'm actually happy to be in here tonight because it is a terrible night outside. And I'd be just sitting on the couch at home. So I'm happy to be in here to talk some sport and we'd love to talk it with you and canvas your opinions uh, tonight. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Bill from Queenstown. Is it Queenstown down in Tassie, Bill, I assume? Or I'll tell you what, Queenstown, New Zealand is somewhere I wouldn't mind being. Probably up there in my top two uh, destinations, direct fright from Melbourne, beautiful spot, but I'm assuming you might be uh, down in Tassie. Uh, Port Adelaide have beaten a couple of teams in the top eight, um, not just the top four, when the Cavalry returns will be thereabouts. Well, they've beaten... Uh, yeah, I suppose if you look at if you look at uh, Richmond being the benchmark of the last few years, they have beaten the Tigers, and that was a narrow victory uh, going back uh, to the early part of the season. But really, it's, that, that's been the blight on Port Adelaide this year, is not beating uh, regularly those uh, top eight teams. We don't quite know where they sit. I, I acknowledge that it was a, a great win against St Kilda. Blue-collar win. Got some players to come back, no doubt. But uh, for me, I can't totally trust uh, Port Adelaide that they're going to get the job done when it absolutely uh, really counts. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Queenstown next to Elberton. You're talking, where are we talking, uh, Bill, geographically, next to Alberton? Is that it? I'm assuming it's still in Tassie. I haven't got a map of Tassie in front of me. Uh, Queenstown in New Zealand is very nice. Great hot chocolates, yes. Great hot chocolates in Queenstown, New Zealand. It is spectacular. Uh, Mark is in uh, Sydney uh, listening in to us. Mark, welcome. Hello, BP. How are you? Very good, thanks. I've got a heroes and villains for this uh, Clarko mess. The hero would be Clarko himself because he's handling this, uh, shall we say, crap that's absolutely hit the fan with class and style and he's still keeping a good winning record up there and he's just carrying on with like the Paul Roos type classy personality he is. So more power to him in this situation and my villain would be Jeff Kennett because he's just stirring the pot of controversy for the sake of trying to make himself look good when there's no substantial basis to what he's saying whatsoever. Mm. Well, yeah, Jeffrey hasn't been in two stints as president. He, well, he was never going to be silent, was he? Um, you know, he's a no. he's a, a strong voice. Um, look, I, I, I think, in my view, I mean, your, your time has to come to an end at, at some stage. And I, I said this earlier, Mark. I mean, I, you, you've got to have some sort of faith in the people behind the scenes. That, that's my strong opinion. And I've been involved in a much lower level, okay, grassroots footy, but senior footy club in metropolitan leagues. And the people that know the real story, I'm telling you, are the people on the inside. They see a hell of a lot more. They see all the the dynamics and the interaction and and just uh, the, the day-to-day moods and, you know, the motivation, the vibe and all that, whatever other words you want to uh, throw into the mix. Um, so... You know, I think they're entitled to make a call at some stage because they've got a plan for the next uh, five to ten years. It's been an incredible run. That run has to come to an end. I mean, what, do, we want, do we want Clarkson coaching Hawthorne for 27 years like Kevin Sheedy? I don't know. I mean, you know, as I said earlier, I think Sheeds is... Um, if Essendon maybe had their time again or even if Kevin had his time again, it might have wound up a few years earlier. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough call to make, but I think the people absolutely internally... Uh, know the uh, know the situation and whether he's going to coach again I mean it's a pretty intense job that he's done for a long time is this I think this is his 17th is it his 17th season I'm pretty sure 
That's a long time to be a senior coach. You'd want to maybe at least have a year off, I would think. At least one year off just to breathe and smell the roses, spend a bit of time with his wife and just, you know, just digest everything. Because we know that for Alistair Clarkson, there's more to him than just being a, a footy coach. I mean, he's got so much to offer the game in a range of roles that uh, may come up certainly from an AFL level. So who knows how that's all going to play out. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 John has uh, joined us out in West Footscray. Uh, John, it's great to have you on the Sporting Capital. I think we've got Johnny there. No? Okay, John's about to come up right now. Like Mick was talking to me for ages. G'day, John. How are you? Good. What do you got for us, Johnny? I just want to know what's happening with the VFL this week. Well, I think it'll be uh, still um, having a hiatus, uh, John. That's the unfortunate part. I was hearing Michael Barlow, I think on with Dwayne yesterday, pretty frustrated, the coach of Werribee, and a bit like local footy. I mean, everything underneath the AFL while we're in this uh, lockdown... Uh, with no crowds, uh, John, I think he's, um, it's not going to go ahead, which is disappointing, isn't it, John, for the VFL, this new-look competition and uh, really tough for these guys to be um, you know, really pressing their case, not being able to play some senior footy. So what's happening this week? I, that's all I want to know. Well, I think it's, uh, it's probably not happening, John. That's the story. It's probably not happening. We're in lockdown for another seven days until... Uh, midnight next Tuesday night. So that's as far as I know, unless anyone wants to tell me differently uh, tonight, that would be my understanding. Is that the VFL, once again, is on pause, which is disappointing for you, John, and many others. I've enjoyed watching a bit of the uh, the VFL uh, this season. Uh, the extra day in the leap year in the international fixed calendar will now be known as Shrubbery Day. That's come through on the text. Is that meant for our radio station? Or somewhere else. <laughs> I don't know. Please explain. We'll take a break. 17 past seven. This is the Sporting Capital, and I'd love to have a chat here tonight. one 736 736 Michelle Timms with our bias. Tokyo bound. We'll head up to the Alice. All coming up on a Tuesday night. The Sporting Capital on SEN, your home of sport. Oh, we're riding at a Tuesday night. All the way to a through to eleven uh, tonight. Happy to talk to you. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Brett Phillips in the chair. And I did a bit of digging uh, during the break, Bill. You threw me when you said Queenstown next to Alberton. So I'm thinking you're in uh, Tasmania. You mightn't be over in New Zealand listening to SENZ on the uh, SEN app. And I didn't know there's a Queenstown in Adelaide. So I know Alberton, the home of Port Adelaide, of course. So there you go, Rotto. So you're over in Adelaide. You learn something new uh, every day. Off the temper text at one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Happy to uh, take your calls. Uh, Clarkson will coach Collingwood in twenty twenty two! Exclamation mark. Emphatic. Maybe you know something I don't. Love you to expand on that. Uh, Melbourne won't need to worry about beating the bottom teams come finals time. Simple as that. That's a true statement. So that's the good news for Melbourne. They they have shown this year they can beat. The quality around them in the top eight, and if they beat the Bulldogs uh, this week and uh, and play with good method, there's no doubt we will um, be feeling pretty confident about Melbourne and what they might potentially be able to do when it really counts in September. In regard to the Hawthorne situation from Stephen, tough call for the club. If they didn't mention anything, then imagine the speculation next year on his contract. Yeah, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, clubs are going to make calls. They don't get every decision right, there's no doubt. 
but no man can coach one club forever. So, and, you know, <laughs> look, I look at this from a few different angles. Like, who's to say that Alistair Clarkson is still going to be the same coach that he has been? No one knows that. I think everyone knows that Sam Mitchell certainly has the potential to be a very good coach. Anyone that's uh, listened to some of the stuff he's done at Box Hill and the career he's had. So it was Jason Dunstall who plucked out a, a pretty much an unknown Alistair Clarkson, gave him an opportunity. So everyone has to start from somewhere. Um, you know, I think it'll play out. It'll play out. I think Hawthorne have been a club, to be honest. Hawthorne have been a club under the reign of Alistair Clarkson. They've done things pretty well in the way they've handled the uh, exiting of champions. You know, these are tough decisions. Uh, and Luke Hodge, not going to stay forever. Sam Mitchell didn't stay forever. Jordan Lewis didn't stay forever. They've gone on and had another little chapter uh, somewhere. So uh, people within footy clubs are custodians for a period and a new era will start and trying to build and replicate on the era that has uh, just gone. So let's see how it uh, plays out in terms of the Clarkson and uh, Mitchell uh, situation. Really enjoyed the chat with uh, Alex Carey. I'm with uh, Jared Waitley uh, earlier today. Of course, Australia to play the West Indies, I think, the early hours, around about 4.30 tomorrow morning in the first of a few uh, one-day internationals. They've moved from uh, St. Lucia to uh, Barbados. Uh, Aaron Finch, of course, uh, injured, won't be able to lead the Australian team. So Alex Carey has been given the nod, of course, who started playing, well, elite sport footy-wise with the Giants. Didn't quite make it there, and we know he's always been a very good cricketer. Uh, at that uh, T20 level and also domestically in South Australia. But Alex Carey, on how it feels having the captaincy title, that has been given to him in the last uh, 48 hours. Yeah, I've got a big smile on my face just thinking about that title. But um, obviously, firstly, never good news to to have your skipper um, not be able to to play through injury. So we're, yeah, firstly hoping he can return around pretty quickly and get back into this team. We know how um, much he offers to this team on and off the park. So to Finchie, we, we hope he recovers really quickly. Um, and then, yeah, to the captaincy, I'm yeah extremely, I guess, proud to, to have that title. Um, really excited for the opportunity. And, yeah, now we're into one-day cricket. We, we want to bounce back pretty quickly from the T20s where we played some good cricket, didn't get the result. Um, but really excited to get out there tomorrow. So that's a little bit of what Alex Carey had to say, and we might play a little bit more of Alex on who actually told him who would uh, that he would be captain in, in speaking to Jared uh, earlier today. I did a lap yesterday with JL, yep. um, and he passed on the news. Uh, firstly, that Finchie wasn't probably wasn't going to get up for the first game, and then secondly, that I was. Um, going to be named captain if he wasn't to, to come up. So, yeah, just uh, I guess firstly it was great excitement um, to be able to be recognised uh, to lead Australia, which is sounds pretty cool, um, but also the opportunity for, for us as a group to fill his boots. We, we recognise there's 17 ODI hundreds that aren't going to come out in the park with us tomorrow, so there's going to be some great opportunity for some younger players, um, some senior players, uh, and, and in between. So, yeah, it's it's going to be great walking out there tomorrow. So Alex Carey will get up nice and early and watch that. It's always it's always great to watch a bit of cricket from uh, the Caribbean. It's not the days, unfortunately, the halcyon days of watching 
cricket in the Caribbean uh, back when they were a mighty cricket nation. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Thank you, Nodge. I, I, I went to the 2007 World Cup, which was one hell of an experience. But And that's they'd built all the new stadiums and, you know, you didn't quite get the Calypso feel of West Indian cricket because uh, it was sort of, you know, fans from all over the world. It wasn't just all the West Indian fans uh, packed in to the ground, which I would have loved to experience, but you know, I went to St. Lucia and Barbados and oh, there's a lot of stories I could tell from um, uh, that month. I think I did a couple of crosses into SEM programming. Uh, uh, yeah, not, not in the best of states, to be totally honest, but somehow made uh, a little bit of sense. But um, there is something about watching cricket from the Caribbean, and I've said it for a while. I mean, it, I would love nothing better than the West Indies to be back up there as a powerful cricket nation. It's probably not going to happen. Um, but uh, we'll see what the Australians and the West Indies get up to uh, tomorrow. Obviously, the West Indies were very good in the shortest uh, form of the game in the T20, so Australia's got the challenge uh, certainly in front of them. Uh, this one's just come through on the text, and I did read out an article yesterday that Robert Craddock read uh, that he wrote for News Corp about the gold medal uh, tallies. Australia way down. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, I think it was 20,000 for a gold medal an Australian athlete gets. Maybe I've undersold that, but uh, this is a text that's come in. Uh, but this is on the Herald Sun app tonight. The medal reward tally. What Olympic athletes are paid for gold, silver and bronze. So Singapore paying their athletes just over a million dollars if they win a gold medal. 500000 for a silver, 250000 if they win bronze. Indonesia also paying over a million dollars for a gold. So around about the same. Singapore and Indonesia are about the same. Uh, Hong Kong, a little under in third spot, $840,000, $435,000 for silver, $218,000 for bronze. Uh, Thailand is about half of that. So $417,000, but unknown as silver and bronze receive money. Down to Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan, Malaysia, Italy, Hungary, all... Uh, beyond $200,000 for a gold medal. Then there's a fair gap to France in 10th spot, who pay, according to uh, the medal reward tally, it's on the Herald Sun app apparently, I'm being told, uh, France $87,000 for a gold, $34,000 for silver, and $20,000 for bronze. Russia, down to $82,000. Japan, uh, the host nation, $61,000 they pay. So I'll just dig up that article uh, during the next break. Uh, I'm pretty sure, Robert Craddock, that article was around about 20,000. might be, oh, is it 50? I'm not sure. I'll, uh, I'll find that out. I'll see if Mickey can do some um, There's no uh, cash digging here. out the back. Here, there's <laughs> no cash. <laughs> yeah, no cash. Well, there were plenty of people in that article who were quoted to say that we need to have a good look at the AOC uh, here in terms of how we reward our uh, Australian uh, athletes. And I think there was going to be... Some, some ongoing discussions with Scott Morrison uh, about that to get it signed off uh, by the Prime Minister. But uh, the, the long and short of it is that we're coming in well behind a lot of other nations who are really rewarding uh, their their Olympians. Speaking of Olympics, Tokyo Show bound. <laughs> well, the athletes are crying out for that at the moment. No doubt about that. Uh, of course, talking of Olympics, after 9 o'clock we'll have Tokyo bound. So Raylene Boyle. And also Lisa Curry will be our special guest, all thanks to Apia, uh, the go-to insurance for uh, retirees. So uh, we'll um, have that for you after uh, 9 o'clock tonight. Great chat with uh, Raylene, who is very forthright and honest, and uh, Lisa Curry will have a a look at that chat on Sports Day uh, New South Wales uh, last week, uh, who conducted that terrific interview 
uh, with uh, Lisa Curry. We'll uh, take a break. Uh, plenty more to come. The Sporting Capital on a Tuesday night. Happy for you to weigh in at any time. A little bit of NRL news uh, floating around. I'll bring you as well. one 736 736 or keep the texts uh, coming through. 0433 The Sporting Capital on SEN, your home of sport. Welcome back to The Sporting Capital. Bit of news out of the Kangaroos uh, today as well. Uh, Aidan Bonner uh, says it's the potential of North Melbourne's young group that uh, makes him excited about putting uh, pen to paper for an additional two years. The contract uh, will uh, see him at Arden Street until at least the end of uh, 2023. So Aidan Bonner signing on for two more years. Hasn't really played a lot of senior footy, but... It's a bit to like about the Roos. I called their game on the weekend. Uh, like the way they, like the way they move the footy. You can see the intent, trying to get it through the corridor, um, lowering the eyes, just keeping good uh, ball control. We know that, you know, certainly on turnover in the early part of the year, it really, really cost them. Uh, and their foot skills have certainly got better. Uh, a bit to like about Larky up forward. Zerha uh, certainly uh, displays um, uh, plenty of X factor. He's exciting. His mark on the weekend was brilliant. He'll. I had a few of the creases in uh, his game, but, gee, there is uh, certainly a bit to like. Uh, Jack Viney, we've been talking about Melbourne a little bit. I mean, Jack had a, a chat with Gary and Tim on SEM Breakfast uh, earlier today. Just first of all about the, the mood in the rooms after the draw against uh, Hawthorne on uh, Saturday night. Yeah, to, to be honest, I, I think it was a really weird feeling because of having no crowds, but definitely the mood in the, uh, in the rooms after the game were, were like we lost. Um, you know, we, we were highly disappointed um, with the result and, and our performance. So I suppose how we've treated it is as, um, you know, if we lost, uh, it is good to have that, you know, those two points, though. Two is better than nothing and uh, does keep us, um, you know, above above the Geelong and uh, Doggies who have, um, you know, playing some really good football. And I said yesterday, I'm all for the draw. I know that divides opinion a little bit, but uh, it does keep them that two points above uh, that uh, chasing uh, pack, which could be pretty telling uh, by year's end. And Jack uh, also on SEM Breakfast today, uh, talking about playing in front of uh, no crowds. This is my first uh, first game this season uh, with no crowds. Um, and it's definitely a different feeling. Um, definitely requires um, uh, you know a slight... Um, mentality shift uh, but you know we're, we're that well um, trained up and um, we prepare all week for no crowd so um, you know it doesn't it doesn't uh, affect us a great deal uh, but certainly you know a few few little shifts in mentality so that was Jack Viney, that full chat, of course, at uh, sen.com.au. You can uh, go back and uh, podcast uh, SEN Breakfast and uh, Gary and Tim back from uh, 6 uh, tomorrow morning. Now, I was just reading out uh, the medal reward tally from one of our texters who sent that in, apparently on the Herald Sun app tonight. And we've got a follow-up text. Do we pay a better salary than other nations for the Olympians? I think, well, I was stating that Australia's well below uh, Singapore and Indonesia and uh, Hong Kong. So Robert Craddock, I did mention this on... Uh, the Sporting Capital last night, uh, but Robert Craddock had written this for News Corp uh, in the last uh, couple of days. So Australian athletes are promised $20,000 for a gold, $15,000 for silver, and $10,000 for bronze. Singapore athletes, as mentioned uh, on this uh, Herald Sun article, 
um, can earn over a million dollars for winning gold, even though swimmer Joseph Schooling is their only podium topper. Other nations such as Russia and the USA are more in Australia's range, but certainly Russia a lot more, 82,000 for a gold, and the United States are 50,000. So uh, we are well below. And just a bit of expansion on that article, I was just reading a couple little quotes, which I think had come out uh, from a former Olympic silver medalist and long-time Olympic fundraising champion uh, Mark Stockwell uh, senses the mood is right for a funding revamp. I'm not so worried about the gold medalists because they tend to get more funding, but we have to celebrate the athletes who didn't win medals, who don't win medals. It is particularly difficult to keep the dream alive. Now with Brisbane 2032 and Tokyo on us, we need to reimagine how high-performance sport is funded and certainly delivered uh, in this country. And there was certainly the suggestion that uh, the uh, the AOC would go and consult uh, the Morrison government about uh, all of that. So yeah, we're we're well below when you uh, consider those numbers I read out for Singapore and Indonesia, Hong Kong, uh, Thailand, those countries in Asia, uh, paying a nice little handsome sum if you do win uh, an Olympic uh, medal. So more to play out on that, uh, no doubt. Does it feel like the Olympics? I heard Dwayne say it uh, today on. His show. We've got the opening ceremony coming up Friday. The softballers, I think, kick off tomorrow. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got the opening ceremony Friday night into full competition from the weekend. We're going to have wall-to-wall coverage on SEN. Maybe it's come at the right time with all of us in lockdown just to sit down and watch a bit of the Olympics. It's going to be strange not having that crowd ambience. But uh, And we just spoke to Jamin Crabb from a tennis point of view on the first serve last night. And I listened to a few of the Olympic chats on SEN right throughout the day and uh, for those athletes that are there now nestled into the Olympic uh, village and uh, interacting with other Australian athletes from other sports, they really do feel like the Olympics is there. They're in sort of their own little bubble, uh, if you like, but that's what they've been uh, gearing up for. So even though uh, it's difficult times to travel, it's no doubt there's been a lot of uh, contemplation from our athletes. Is, is this the right thing to do to go to an Olympics, considering the state of the world and Raylene Boyle will weigh into that on Tokyo Bound after uh, nine o'clock uh, tonight. Uh, for a lot, it's that one opportunity to uh, to get some reward for all the hard work they've done for a long time to maybe have one chance of being an Olympian, regardless of the circumstances. So, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating fortnight, and hopefully, hopefully it does go smoothly. But from what certainly a lot of the chats were saying today, and even Jamin last night as captain of our Australian tennis Olympic men's team, uh, Japan. Uh, it seems like it's fairly straightforward. You, you go in there, yes, you've got to do all the testing, you've got to do all the protocols and everything, but um, in Japan have a great history of running things extremely efficiently and extremely well. So there was always going to be maybe one or two cases uh, pop up. That's been the state of play right around sports around the world uh, since the pandemic unfolded in the last uh, 12 to 18 months. It's not going to be totally perfect, um, but I think you know other events have uh, um, certainly uh, given us um, the strong belief that it can be certainly curtailed uh, with him. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, 736 736 or on the text, uh, 0433 on the text. Uh, Michelle Timms will join us uh, out of uh, 8 o'clock uh, tonight. Australian Opals, great to weigh into Liz Cambage. Uh, with our bias, of course, we do talk the world of lawn bowls uh, every uh, Tuesday night. So I'll be joined by Barry Lester and also Steve Glasson and Tokyo Band with Raylene Boyle and Lisa Curry coming up after nine. We'll get to uh, the heart of Australia, Alice Springs, which is um, a beautiful part of the world. If you've never been to the Alice, that is one place you do have to get to at uh, 
at some stage. Uh, just on uh, Tokyo, uh, Nathan Templeton uh, was, of course, on deck uh, with Dwayne earlier today across there for Channel 7. Just on the atmosphere in Tokyo from what he's experienced so far. Yeah, look, it is a strange atmosphere. There's no getting around it. The COVID situation changes every day, and, and it's quite eerie because Tokyo is so quiet. There's no traffic and no pedestrians because the city is in a very heavy lockdown. So really the only people we're seeing, Japanese people, are people connected to the games. So um, we're almost in our own bit of a bubble here at the moment, and it is difficult to get a read on how excited people are uh, in this country and whether they feel like it should go ahead. But I've got to say I've been very impressed, and I do have a lot of confidence in just the technology and the organisation of these people is quite extraordinary. And, look, if anyone can pull it off, I think it's the Japanese because um, the protocols are being very, very strictly adhered to. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so that is Nathan Templeton on with uh, Dwayne earlier today, and they will run a pretty good uh, operation, uh, the Japanese, uh, no doubt. Thank you, Ezra. I was trying to think of so the softball and uh, the Matildas up against uh, New Zealand. Uh, which comes up, I think, uh, tomorrow night, you're suggesting. So we get a little early dose. It's always fascinating with the Olympics. We always have a couple of the events that kick off before the opening ceremony, which is uh, um, a tradition, of course. And I think we learn certainly tomorrow night with Anastasia Palaszczuk, the Queensland Premier, having uh, jetted across to Tokyo. I think uh, we'll, we'll be thinking Brisbane will probably be officially be given the nod uh, about this time uh, tomorrow night to be the uh, Olympic Games a host in uh, 2032. So we'll uh, bring you that, no doubt, on uh, the sporting capital. Uh, Lisa Curry, Raylene Boyle, they'll be coming up on Tokyo Band a little bit later on tonight, brought to you by Apia, the go-to insurance for retirees. Call Apia on 13 50 50. A break back with uh, plenty more. The sporting capital on SEN. The Sporting Capital on SEN, your home of sport. No, a, a handful of dignitaries, basically. The, the Emperor, uh, First Lady Jill Biden's there, uh, Emmanuel Macron, the French President's there because Paris is next in 2024. Australia's sending our sports minister. So, yeah, it's a 68,000-seat stadium with, uh, with a handful of people in it. In terms of the athletes, though... Um, there's going to be about 50 Aussies marching behind Kate Campbell and Paddy Mills, so that's good that they're able to to get a you know a decent number of them in there. Uh, in terms of what we can actually expect, uh, well, obviously it's sort of ancient Japan and modern Japan being uh, being sort of fused together. One thing to keep an eye out for: the US flag bearers have got these uh, Ralph Lauren jackets that have built-in air conditioning, so uh, <laughs> it is very hot. It's very hot here and. The Americans are being professional and yeah. uh, not risking dehydration. Uh, that was Nathan Templeton just giving us an idea of the opening ceremony come uh, Friday night. We're going to bring you all that, of course, uh, live on uh, ECN. It's going to be uh, great to have the Olympics uh, right across uh, the next uh, fortnight. Uh, Jared Waitley is going to be uh, leading our coverage, uh, no doubt, and uh, we'll have uh, yeah wall-to-wall Olympics in between our normal programming, uh, SEM Breakfast into Jared, of course, um, into the afternoons, picking it up from about 6 o'clock each night around the the major competition times uh, coming out of uh, Tokyo. So uh, we will cover it um, uninterrupted for a good two weeks here on uh, SEN. And, yeah, talking to a few people and listening to a few of the chats uh, today, it is nice and hot and muggy 
which it is in Japan at this time of the year. So it's going to be a, a test of mental strength, no doubt, for uh, a lot of the uh, athletes. Uh, just a couple of uh, tennis results uh, coming in today. Uh, one man that we're always keeping a very close eye on, who's doing a lot of his work a little bit off-Broadway at the moment, and that is Thanasi Kokonakis. A lot of people always ask me what's happening with Thanasi, where is he, um, and he's just trying to get back to play, getting back to playing regular tennis uh, this year, having missed so much uh, in the last uh, few years and really trying to get that ranking up. He's been doing some hard yarns, but uh, he went down in uh, Mexico today. His match went about three hours and 12 minutes, six four six seven six seven. He went down to the American, uh, Dennis Kudler, who... Had a, a pretty entertaining match. Was it at the French or Wimbledon with Djokovic? I'm pretty sure it was uh, Wimbledon uh, on the grass. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Thanasi at the moment still uh, ranked in the 200s. It's a long way back. I mean, he's just been getting a lot of matches under his belt, having uh, taken off, gee, I think a good uh, good four months ago now. Spent a lot of time in Europe and now uh, heading across uh, to the States. He had 23 aces in that match uh, today. Actually, one... Uh, Nine more points, as can happen in tennis, but um, unfortunately just couldn't quite get through a couple of tight uh, tiebreakers. But yeah, Thanasi Kokonakis, uh, we're hoping he can get back uh, to uh, somewhere inside the top 100 where he should be, certainly for his talent. He's been cruel by injury for a long time, got as high as, what, 69 in the world at one stage and took that scalp of Federer in uh, Miami. But uh, it's just good to see him actually healthy. Uh, because it's been so stop-start uh, for uh, a good, what, four, five, six years now. And uh, that has really tested his uh, mental uh, resilience, uh, let me tell you. Olympics, what are you looking forward to? I want to put it out there. Um, I mean, it's always that it's always that time every four years where we, we sort of learn about an obscure sport or we take in some sports that we would never uh, bat an eyelid to. What are you looking forward to? Of all the Olympic sports, and you can debate... You know which one should be in and should be uh, not in the Olympics, but is there is there one that you're going to sit down and, and watch with a bit of interest? Um, happy to take maybe a couple of calls on that one three hundred seven three six seven three six because it is that time of the year when we just broaden our horizons. I I know many uh, many a sports broadcaster who's been to the Olympics that I've known across the journey who go across and they get assigned right. You're doing the judo or you're doing this particular sport, and they've got absolutely no idea, and they've got to spend quite a bit of time uh, learning about uh, particular sports. But, yeah, we hope our Australians are going to bring some uh, great success uh, for uh, the uh, next uh, fortnight. Uh, thank you, Asa, for your kind words. Love listening to you on this channel. You do a ripping job, and you're the best in the business in tennis. I'll take that. I don't normally read our texts. I just read that on the fly. But thank you, mate. Thank you for uh, a nice little uh, compliment. But... We, uh, I mean, in these times, it's just great to have sport, isn't it? I mean, we're all we're all doing it tough in different ways. I mean, I can still come to work, and I'm fortunate, uh, but you know, I haven't seen my family for a little while, and different friends. I mean, it is, yeah, we all deal with it in different ways. Some are more resilient than others, but I know the radio for a lot of people out there is um, is a best friend in a lot of ways. In in you know circumstances uh, like this, and how good is it? We've got a twenty four hour. Uh, sports radio station. You have to like uh, every sport, that is for sure, but we've got a station that uh, can keep us entertained with uh, sport all around the globe, not only uh, here in Australia. So uh, that's why it's great that SENNZ has uh, started, as I said last night on the program, Radio Sport, 
was actually a year before SEN started when I discovered that on my honeymoon uh, many, many years ago, driving around the north and south island of New Zealand, and 12 uh, months later, SEN was born. So it's uh, it's great because uh, sport is is the, the one common denominator for all of us that love it. We can sit back in these times which are just unprecedented and at least turn on a little bit of sport and get some sort of joy out of uh, out of uh, life uh, like uh, right now. Um, we're going to be joined by Michelle Timms, Australian Opals great, uh, coming up uh, straight out of uh, 8 o'clock. Uh, Timms, he's had a, a bit to say on Liz Cambage on social media. She's going to share her thoughts with us here on the radio. Without bias also, coming up in the next hour, Jackaroo Barry Lester and Jackaroo great and former national coach Steve Glasson will be the special guests. That's on the way next. The Sporting Capital on SEN, your home of sport. Welcome back to the Sporting Capital. Uh, Plenty going on in the world of sport, no doubt, on this uh, Tuesday night. I mean, one story that has certainly been uh, making news for a number of days now is the Liz Cambage uh, situation. And uh, this morning I noted that Australian basketball great Andrew Bogut says uh, what Liz Cambage is alleged to have told... Nigerian plays and the latest development, we know the situation with Liz that she's exited uh, the Opals uh, team in that close scrimmage is absolutely disgusting. Hoping she gets the help she needs and can bounce back from her mental health issues. Uh, Of course, Cambage pulled out of the Opals Olympics campaign last week, citing uh, mental health issues from being forced to stay inside a biosecure bubble, adding that she was finding it difficult to cope without any friends or family to support her. So I think we're all across the Liz Cambage story. I I think it was about a decade ago now that I interviewed Liz in the SCN studios for uh, a good hour. And obviously, in another guise, I've covered uh, the WNBL competition, seen Liz at uh, close quarters. I've had a little bit to do with her mum across the journey as uh, CEO of Try Australia when she was in that role. I emceed and compared a few functions. And I suppose I've understood a bit about uh, Liz Cambage. It's a fascinating development. It's a bit of a sad development, to be honest. But I did want to get someone on who knows Liz far better than I do, and that is Australian basketball legend uh, Michelle Timms. Has been good enough to take our call uh, tonight, Timsy. Really appreciate you jumping on for us. Oh, thanks, Brett. Happy to be part of it. I mean, you have been on social media the last uh, few days. Uh, that is in the, the public sphere, and certainly displayed your own frustration with the situation. You know Liz at much closer quarters than I do. So, before we maybe look back, just the, the present situation that's unfolded. I mean, the timing is terrible, certainly for uh, the Opals. We respect uh, and, and try and continue every day to understand mental health, and a lot of us are, uh, you know. Certainly swimming out of our depth, uh, Timsey, when it comes to uh, that area. But just the overall situation, um, you just sort of shake your head, don't you? It's, it's just a sad situation, really. It's unfolded. Yeah, it is. It's obviously a, a, a huge disappointment. But um, I think, Brett, you know, it gets to a stage where, um, as I know, I publicly said, enough is enough. I think, um, you know, prior to this, Liz is... Uh, um, you know, tarnish the something that I feel that, you know, I think this is the biggest thing for me that, that upset me was that our, you know, we've worked so hard um, and players before me have worn the green and gold and worked so hard on a culture and a, 
a way that we, we, we want to be remembered in the community and, and uh, the legacy that players before us have left. And, and it was just, um, it, it was hugely disappointing seeing the behaviour um, of Liz and, and what's apparently gone on. And once again, bringing the green and gold and the opals into the spotlight for all the wrong, re- wrong reasons. And for me personally, and I can't speak for anyone else, but I, I was like, enough's enough. You know, we can't accept this anymore and and quite frankly I'd rather not win a medal than than win this way and um with somebody who um is constantly in the news for the the wrong the wrong reasons unfortunately Michelle I mean there is the behaviors and then there is mental health I mean in some cases I think you know you you can uh certainly separate them and I I, I certainly don't sit here um you know knowing the full inside outs but You've known Liz for a long time. The Liz Cambage that you know, can you can you give me your own experience when you're at you know in close quarters with her on a, a sort of day to day basis? Yeah, look, Liz off the court's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. You know, she's she's she'd do anything for you. You know, um, chatting to the young kids and you know she's she's great off the court with everybody and yep. the time she she gives people, especially back in the day. But there's always been issues there, Brett. I mean, when she was at Bulleen, which is what you're referring yeah. to, um, you know, we we had to sit her on the sidelines. Um, the you know the team were very unhappy with with her selfish behaviour, which um, and we we cut her for a game, and um, and then she you know asked to come back. So there's always been that um, the you know um, that side of Liz on the court, but totally different when you you get her off the court. So I mean, she's yeah, she's always been her own person. There's no doubt. I think when I had her in the studio, it must have been a decade ago now, and I, I loved her frankness at the time. I loved her uh, her candidness, her honesty. I actually said to her at the end of the interview, Liz, uh, don't lose that because we love that in sports. People, um, when you ask a sports person a question, they can just speak uh, from the heart rather than thinking, oh, will I get myself into trouble? But she sort of found a way to get herself into trouble, hasn't she? Across the journey, you talk about those aspects, and I have seen that. Uh, side of Liz as well, but there is part of her makeup that is just lend uh, constantly to these controversial moments. Yeah, she flirts with it. That's for sure. Um, look, and I, I think that um, you know your, your, your teammates, you know, they want to win medals and they want the team to be the best they can. But when your teammates, you know, speak out and um, you know there's a big problem going on within, you know, like my understanding is that the team got together and had a meeting and. I think the writing was on the wall well before Liz made the decision to walk herself. So um, with what went on in the Nigerian game and um, and uh, other incidents that, is, that has happened are being investigated at the moment as we speak. Well, what do you think it stems down to with just the, the makeup of who she is? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't know. That's a bit deep for me. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. it you know, times that you know. Um, I've, I've felt like she should have been playing another sport that, you know, because at times she's been very selfish in the way she's acted um, on the court in the way that it affects everybody else, um, from teammates and coaching staff. So um, I, I don't know. Um, that's a big question and I, I'm not qualified to answer it, but um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I've found her actions to be quite selfish, to be honest. And yeah. as I said, there's a lot of people out there past Opals who um, work so hard um, to to build what we thought was a what we think is a, a good program, a credible program, a program that um, 
um, that, that people want to follow and want to support. But, mm. but Liz, um, time and time again, polarises not only the supporters but the um, her teammates. And I think when your teammate, teammates, um, you know, get together and say enough's enough, that's the biggest indicator that you're not acting as, as is expected in a team situation. This is always the fine balance, isn't it, in a in a team sport? I mean, Timsy, I don't know if you can recall in your, you know, decorated career playing in the WNBA, playing over in Europe, and of course uh, playing for your country and domestically uh, here in Australia. When you're part of that team dynamic and you've got uh, a player who's so pivotal to you know wins and losses is a, is a real barometer, but uh, doesn't always conform to the entire team. I mean, you, you can, I suppose, in a sense, you can bend a little with certain players, but, but not to the degree where it puts all the other players off and, the, and, and, and the environment doesn't feel like it's an even playing field. It's a pretty sort of delicate, fine line, that, isn't it? It is, but I look at the greatest player Australia's ever had in Lauren Jackson, and yep. she was able to do both quite easily. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it def, you know, it's just a, a, dis- a disappointment, and then, uh, you know, you throw in the whole... Um, um, like I'm, I'm for sure Liz is struggling right now with her mental health after everything that's gone on. You know, undoubtedly she's probably in a, a pretty bad pace, which makes it even worse because although on one hand I'm, I know I'm saying enough, I said enough is enough, um, I feel for it now with uh, what she must be going through now and the backlash of, of everybody and everything that she's had to, to listen to. But, um, you know, uh, hopefully she'll find the help she, she needs and um, and... I mean, I I don't know, you know, if she comes back to the green and gold, hopefully if it's, uh, you know, when, when she's ready and when she's mature enough to join in and understand that there's you know, no one's bigger than the team. Do you think it's uh, repairable? Um, sitting here now, I would say no. Yeah. Um, and there'd have to be a lot of change on her part, I think, mm. for, you know, like if if it was me, if I had anything to do with it, like my gut is, I don't. I'm not sure. I really want her back in the green and gold until she, um, you know, can can change her way a little bit. It's, you know, it's just it's just treating people nice. You know, like it's just being a, a good teammate. You know, it's being. Um, yep. It's not. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I agree. I know exactly what yeah. you're saying. I mean, Sandy Brondello is a magnificent coach. How do you, how do you think she sort of um, adjusts things from here? I think Sarah Blixars is going to be there replacement that'll uh, join the team in in Tokyo and no one player makes a team how do you expect the Opals to perform without Liz um you know what going I've always been one to say look no Liz Cambridge we've got no I can't see us meddling you know but um I've been watching a lot of video lately and um and I was so I went from this now I went from being so embarrassed to be an opal with Liz's outburst and behaviour to the very next day when they pulled on the green and gold and played without her and, and played so magnificently and and represented everything what it, of what it meant to be means to be an opal you know resilient never say die attitude and if we can play like that through the Olympics I think we're in medal contention mm. and um, that's massive because honestly I, I wouldn't I don't think I could have said that. Um, thinking Liz Cambridge was not going to be there. But, um, look, I've watched a, a lot of the teams we're going to be coming up against, and I think we've got a, a, a really good chance here. We've got, um, you know, um, we're in with Belgium and China, which yep. is a, a pretty tough pool, and Puerto Rico as well. But I think that this is a really super exciting Olympics in that I think there isn't one team that just stands out and we say, OK, they're the gold medalists. 
You know, normally we might say that's America, but now, I don't know, I don't know that's the strongest team they've ever put on the field. And, um, you know, we knocked them off last week and we haven't had much preparation ourselves. So I'm pretty excited. I think that, um, I think every basketball fan at the moment, and Opals especially, and the Boomers, let's not forget what we're about to hopefully see unfold there. But it's a really exciting, exciting time for basketball right now. Yeah, no doubt, uh, Brian Gorging back at the helm. Uh, certainly we're talking the boomers up and I like what you've just said about the Opals and Olympic Games. We can look forward to some uh, pretty good uh, outputs from our Australian uh, teams. Timsey, I appreciate you jumping on and giving us your, your views on uh, a sticky situation that hopefully in time will resolve itself. We'll wait and see. There's a bit of water to go under the bridge, but uh, for our Opals, hopefully a great fortnight to come. Thanks, Brett. Michelle Timms, Australian basketball legend, just weighing in on the Liz Cambage situation. We'll take a break. Uh, Plenty more to come. The Sporting Capital here on SCN on this Tuesday night. The Sporting Capital on SEN, your home of sport. Great to be with you on a Tuesday night. Always great to catch up with uh, Trent. There's always plenty happening in the world of uh, greyhound racing. Plenty on the text. I'll get to those. We'll hear from an Olympian uh, very shortly who was on with uh, Jared. Without bias, of course, they're looking to the world of lawn bowls uh, coming up in the next uh, 10 minutes or so. And, of course, Tokyo bound after uh, 9 o'clock tonight. We're going to head up to the centre of Australia as well to my good buddy uh, Adrian Renzi, a host of uh, Central Australia today. BP, with Dusty officially ruled out uh, from uh, contact uh, for three months, Richmond need to ease up their effort and ensure they miss the finals this year. Early season finish, operations, recovery, rest, uh, back big time in 2022 with a fit, strong group. Tank, 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 regards the Terelgan Tiger. (laughs) Yeah, good old tanky, eh? I don't think. Look, I think the Tigers will give this one hell of a shot. They've got a few to come back. I think they they're still uh, going to be in the mix. So, it'd be great if they did. Imagine if they did win one without Dusty. Eh? That would give uh, some great validation to the rest of their group. Uh, Brett, I had tickets to about a mix. I had tickets to about a mix of about eight completely different events at the Sydney Olympics in two thousand. But by far, my favourite event was the table tennis. Sadly, not expecting Channel 7 to be showing much of that Greg in Clorinda. Yeah, we had, didn't we have uh, Meow Meow competing in the uh, table tennis? One of the great names. How good's table tennis? I mean, every one of us who, as a young kid, would go away to the you know, country Victoria, wherever you might be listening around Australia, um, and you'd go to the motel and uh, you'd go, and there's always a games room. They have a swimming pool and there'd be a games room with a table tennis table. It was so good playing table tennis. And, you know, you'd never think about having a... Well, most people wouldn't have had a table tennis set up at home. But that was the one thing you did when you went away. And, gee, it was competitive. I've got to tell you, my sister and I used to play a bit of table tennis. And you just wanted to... You wanted to thrash her. It was on for young and old. So I, I love the table tennis. It's great to watch. The reflexes at that level, that that competitive level is uh, incredible. Uh, Brett, this one's coming from uh, Chris at Carnegie. Thank you, Chris, for your text tonight. Enjoying the show. Very calming. <laughs> Thank you. I'll try and be calm. Get fired up occasionally. Uh, multi-sports related. Uh, regarding Novak Djokovic, if he goes on to win the US Open, then twofold, surely he's got to be the greatest player of probably all of the um, uh, his fellow contemporaries in Federer and Nadal. Uh, he would complete a calendar year winning all four slams 
and surpass Nadal and Federer with 21 majors, as great as these two legends are. What's your opinion, good sir? Yeah, I have expressed uh, Chris's opinion a few times uh, on the first serve, across general programming, across the network, and I'm asked um, about the three greats that we're never going to see this trio come through together again, achieving the records that they have. For me... Roger Federer will always be the greatest player of all time in my eyes. But I don't I don't just look at statistics. Now, statistics will clearly favour Novak Djokovic. When it's all said and done and the three of them are retired and not picking up a tennis racket anymore, Djokovic will have had more weeks at number one. He'll have more majors, more Masters 1000 titles. We could go on and on and on. And I can totally understand people's uh, view that that should automatically make you the greatest player of all time. But I think it's to the eye, isn't it? I mean, I did a first serve show a number of weeks ago where someone who's older than me, who was in the era of watching Rod Laver play, said Rod Laver is the greatest player I've ever seen. So it's all subjective. It really is. To your eye, what you love watching, the ascetics. So for me, Roger, clearly the best player that I've seen. But respect for all three. And the great part is all three are so different in their makeup uh, on and off the court. And that's what's made uh, it, it just fascinating viewing. And obviously, I'm hoping Roger can win one more. Highly unlikely, very, very unlikely. But that would be the absolute uh, fairy tale. Uh, Cameron Girdlestone is a five time Australian national champion and a silver medalist at the Rio Games in rowing. He's expected to be part of the men's. Quad Skull in Tokyo. He chatted to Jared earlier today on arriving in Japan. Um, look, Jared, we had a um, we had a charter flight from Cairns on last weekend on Saturday with the, the swimmers, uh, which was a very uh, eventful and fun uh, flight over. And then we had a bit of a process going through the airport with COVID testing, accreditation, waiting for results. Um, but whilst through the whole time, feeling very safe, very well looked after, and then processed through the village. Um, and more sort of checkpoints, more assessments, and then into the um, show head, uh, headquarters in our tower and welcomed by all the supporting staff. And we, I think we got to bed on uh, Sunday morning, roughly about 3.30, but a um, long trip, but we're now here on the ground and with all the other sports, which is awesome, and to hear their journeys as well. But no, the, uh, the Olympic spirit is definitely flying high in the village and um, can't do it without all the... The support staff from the AOC and the docs and everyone looking after us. And I must say, like as an athlete here in the, the middle of the midst of a sort of pandemic, I feel very safe and very well looked after from all our staff. That is the voice of Cameron Girdlestone, five-time Australian national rowing champion. On with Jerry, it was a great chat earlier. So that full chat, of course, uh, you can go back and podcast that through sen.com.au through the app. And uh, Jerry caught up with a couple of the Olympians uh, earlier today and. More Olympic news on Tokyo Bound coming up in about uh, half an hour's time. But coming up next, uh, we're going to turn our attention to the world of uh, lawn bowls without bias. Always a regular feature on a Tuesday night. The Sporting Capital on SEN, your home of sport. Welcome back to The Sporting Capital. We are going to go to the middle of Australia, to Alice Springs. Uh, Regularly, I feature, of course, on uh, this man's show, uh, Central Australia Today on 8HA. I speak of Adrian Renzi. I've had a great affiliation with Alice Springs Radio for a long time. Uh, Renzi's the best in the business, and it's great to have you, Adrian, on my program. 
It is just a tremendous intro that you've given me, BP, and I am so delighted to be on your show on a on a Tuesday evening down there in Melbourne. I'm feeling for you guys. We've, um, I'd have to say, we'd be pretty lucky. It's the safest place to be in Australia at the moment. There's Norfolk Island, and then there's the Northern Territory, and I guess if you're overseas somewhere like Tokyo, it might be pretty safe as well in the Olympics uh, or the Athletes Village, but we're pretty lucky up here. We've had some... Um, Cancellations, of course, we had a fair share of troubles too, BP, before we get into the sport with, with tourism. We've had a lot of our cancellations of bookings from New South Wales, for example, and, and Victoria, and now we're seeing all the trouble in South Australia. So tourism in Central Australia and right throughout the Northern Territory needs us right now more than ever. Local business, local sport, local gyms, you know, local running teams, all that sort of stuff. So we're... we're, we're you know, we're we're really trying hard to um, to keep positive here. We we just hope that it doesn't creep in. The SA border and the NT mm. border is still open, yep. uh, so we are not uh, seeing that closed as yet. And we are anticipating a plethora of people from South Australia rushing across the border wow. for a holiday and enjoy the uh, the Northern Territory and all it has to offer. Because we are heading towards some busy times up here. The Darwin Cup not yes. far away. The uh, August long weekend. So yeah, but footy is alive and well, and um, we do enjoy your coverage here on 8HA. Yes, mm. indeed. You did take the uh, the AFL Nation call, which is uh, brilliant. Renz, you did have a... Was it a very tiny lockdown? How long did that last? Yeah. That lockdown you had? Three, three and a half days. But <laughs> three and a half days. Very quick and sharp. Um, and there really wasn't a lot in it. It was a, a chap from the Tanami who was at the airport for about seven hours and stayed there. And um, despite... Uh, you know, many tests. He actually tested positive when he returned to Adelaide, so there was a little bit of a scare there at, at the Adelaide, um, the Adelaide Springs Airport. Um, but thankfully, everything was traced and um, we got away with it. But we can't keep getting away with it forever. This mm. um, Delta strain is is toxic, really. It yeah. just spreads so quickly. Um, and there was thoughts for me actually to go down and watch Collingwood and Port on Friday at uh, Adelaide Oval. My mum's in Mount Gambier, but uh, that won't be taking place now. So, yeah, so I guess we've just got the local footy up here. We've got Liam Jarrah running around up here, uh, BP. He's running around for West uh, on okay. the weekend, West for the uh, Rovers, and we've got Feds and Pioneers. So local footy is important. And that all happens at TIO Traeger Park, which you touched on there. Beautiful backdrop. Oh, it mm. is sensational. The McDonald Rangers in the background. How's he going, Liam Jarrah? I mean, everyone down here knows the story yeah. and the plight and obviously his brief career with Melbourne and, and then the trouble that sort of followed. What, what sort of place is he in now, Renz? Do you know? He's he's in a good place, but he's obviously not the same player he once was. But it's, um, it's good for some of the younger blokes to be playing alongside you know, someone like Liam Jarrah. Um, he's... he's Swapped teams a few times. Um, uh, he's come over to West. He was at uh, South there for a while, and um, West is one of those traditional urban type Central Australian teams. And you know, South is more, you know, your Aboriginal type teams and pioneers mm. that, that sort of team. But he come over to, to play with West, and, he, and he's fitting in well, and uh, he's having a good run around. Nearly pinched a game on the weekend against Feds, did Liam and the team. So, oh, it's good. Local footy's good. 25% of the Northern Territory population participate in Australian football, BP. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is a massive part of our lifestyle. I know you, you know that from your time in Darwin and when you come to Alice Springs. And, but it, it, they are all thriving competitions, particularly in remote areas where they live and absolutely breathe the game. Even if they, they run around without the shoes on and having a kick, it's not a problem at all. There's a place a long way away, uh, BP, called Wat Eye. 
Now, you've probably heard of Wat Eye, but it's in, the, it's in the Territories northwest. Right. Uh, and it's a guiding light for how important football is to people who love the game in the Northern Territory. I'll give you a bit of a tip here. Okay. And people listening, Google it, Wat Eye, W-A-D. E-Y-E in the Territory. There's only 2,800 people at Wat Eye and they've got a, a football competition that in some weeks yes. runs every day. Right? <laughs> every day they play footy. That's how much they That's love it up here in certain spots. So, yeah, we're, we're pretty lucky and, um, yeah, thankfully COVID-free BP. But how are you guys travelling down there? Oh, you must be getting sick it. of it. This is number five? No, love it. I love the four walls of my... Uh, my expansive uh, pad at the moment, uh, Adrian, it is just magnificent. Oh, no, I am getting severe claustrophobia. I do need to get out of the state just somewhere. Uh, I need to see yeah. uh, just a, a different um, a different change of pace, different bit of scenery. But anyway, we've got a Premier who says it's all under control. We've just got to do seven more days. Anyway, we've got to fight the good fight and uh, just control the controllables. But, hey, Renzi, talk about the passion of you know yeah. footy in Allison and – uh, a, a man we know well, um, who had about four years as sports minister. You were part of his team, mm. uh, Matt Conlon, uh, fought mm-hmm. so hard with uh, Simon Lethlin at the time. Now with St Kilda, of course, he's bunkered down over at Joondalup with the Saints as they play the Eagles at this weekend. And for so many years, we had a uh, there was a pre-season game in Alice Springs, and yes. uh, Matt and Co. and your team fought really, really hard to bring. Uh, games for premiership points and that unfolded three or four years ago now now the, the game was scheduled in the Alice for a few weeks ago had mm. to be uh, uh, postponed as has the Darwin mm. game Big this game year what too. does what does that mean to the town to have an AFL game actually come to the heart of uh, Australia well it means a lot to everyone doesn't it I mean the loss to Melbourne was uh, an 800,000 hit to their bottom line because they were going to play the Lions here as you recall but to us, it's uh, it, it, it's a major... We haven't given up, by the way. Alice Springs could still, perhaps, potentially, if we know in the next uh, week or so, get a game. Mm. The problem is the logistics of getting everything, because nothing is really here. But with the changes, as far as infrastructure go, to, to host a game, uh, as far as you know, the logistics of getting the, the TV coverage and all that needs, needs to come here. But this COVID pandemic and the changing nature of everything and the quick movement of the disease means that a place like Alice Springs has to come into play. But it it takes two or three, at least two or three weeks leading to organise a game in the Alice because you just can't do it quickly. You just don't have the logistics in place. I mean, we've got the beautiful oval, we've got the beautiful grandstand, we've got the people that will come, whether it's round 21 or whenever it might be, round 20 if we're lucky. Um, We we keep hoping that that could still eventuate. And I know it's everyone else's bad luck, and I'm sorry to those listeners in Victoria and New South Wales and (laughs) South Australia, but we are well-placed for a game. Very well placed indeed. So we still hold a lot of hope, BP. There's no doubt about it. What game will it be? Who knows? It could be round 21 game, Melbourne-Adelaide clash, or I don't know, or West Coast-Melbourne game. I don't know. We're we're hoping. um, AFL-NT are saying it's probably too late in the piece, but uh, we'll just keep holding on. No doubt Mm. about that, Renz. We've got to all uh, just hold on. Just uh, Alice's... uh, as a town, I mean, it's a great sporting town. It's something that hit me between the eyes probably the first time I went there. For a, uh, a town, it's got around about a 30,000 population. There's all the, the outlying uh, areas yeah. as well. And so many people come in and uh, come to town for uh, for big events. But a, mm. a, apart from the footy, I mean, the, the Fink Desert Race is iconic, of course. Mm. Uh, the Impaja Cup for cricket. I mean, that is one of the best grounds, Traeger Park, to uh, to play cricket. I mean, you've got racing up there. It's it's a it's a town that is uh, so passionate 
uh, either as participants or as spectators when it comes to sport? You can't get your head around all the things that are coming. Uh, this weekend, for example, we've got one of the biggest and best, we're the envy of a lot of inland drag ways, believe it or not. We've got the Alice Springs Inland Dragway, and what that means is we've got the 2021 Desert Nationals, which are coming up this weekend. It's over two days, uh, and people come from all over the place. Now, obviously, they haven't come from New South Wales and Victoria this time around. We have got people in from South Australia who've beaten the trap down there, uh, and they compete on a huge level uh, in the Summit Racing Equipment Sportsman Series in the Australian drag racing championships now the rev heads listening to SEN will know what all that means <laughs> yes. but it's, yep. it's a massive thing the desert nationals all these people come out there and get on the dragway and just go nuts it's very upper middle bogan if you like uh, BP. <laughs> you remember that show yes. um yeah with uh, yeah all that all that sort of stuff goes on um out here so we've got that we've got the red center nets we love our motorsport mm. um in central australia we love motor race we love go-karts as you said you love the fink desert race uh, the Speedway, all that sort of stuff. And the Red Centre NASA is coming up over the uh, Father's Day weekend, which is just a mirror of the one in Canberra, which I'm sure you'd be aware of, which is absolutely huge, the yep. Summer Nats, and no then we do one mm. in the Red Centre. But we're all, uh, again, this COVID thing's just throwing curveballs and boomerangs at us. And uh, all we can do is just hope that uh, things free up and everyone gets on top of things. One of the things that was interesting, I did want to talk to you about, BP, that yeah. a lot of people down there may not know, mm -hmm. is there are plans in Darwin, as far as a bigger picture goes, we know that the AFL aren't too keen on having a Northern Territory AFL team just yet. It's not probably on the radar. Mm. Um, Tasmania isn't on the radar, so how could we be on the radar? Yeah. But we are preparing. Um, there is a, a plan afoot uh, and it, a it's a $300 million sporting stadium for Darwin. Somewhere in the CBD is the plan there. We all know how great these sporting stadiums are in CBDs. You yeah. look at Melbourne and no uh, everywhere around the place, Adelaide, what's mm. going on down there. So the designers are putting in place a, a, a plans for a 25,000-seat covered stadium in Darwin's CBD to be up and running inside a decade. So the time scale coincides roughly, depending on how... Um, you know, the Premier goes, Palaszczuk over there, to uh, to host Brisbane, um, around that Brisbane bid time, around the 2032 Olympic Games. So we'll have a stadium here in Darwin of world-class standard to the tune of $300 million. Brilliant. And, yep. you know, what we could get out of the Olympic Games is anyone's business, I suppose. But obviously the AFL uh, is primary of what they want to do there. And um, not just the AFL games, but NRL matches and cricket and test and first-class cricket and all that sort of stuff. Premier League soccer out of uh, mm. Southeast Asia or mm. out of Australia even. Or, you know, all those major events too, like concerts and all that stuff into Darwin. So yep. there's plans afoot. The Territory's still the last frontier for all this sort of stuff. And we're, and we're trying hard to keep up with everyone. So, um, really? yeah, there's, there's lots going on up here. Love it, love it, love it. I've got to get up to the NT. It's been, uh, it's yeah. been a, a little while, but... Uh, Love to see you. I had some of the best nights. Uh, great memories of uh, being up in Alice. And uh, that road trip I did, where did I go up to? It was just near Tennant Creek. Uh, that was one of the oh, yeah. best you nights I've had. Oh, yeah, so you went to the Wycliffe Well Hotel... And then you went to the Devil's Marbles Hotel. Yes. And you were probably singing with a bloke there called Bruce Caterer who would have got the guitar out. <laughs> he did. Uh, and he I, did. I was just talking to random people who were just stopping by uh, for a little yeah. bit of a rest and uh, a quiet lemonade and just meeting uh, people that you'd never thought you'd ever bump into. And you'd go outside, you could see yeah. the stars and you couldn't hear a pin drop. It was just beautiful. And he would have taken you up to see the Devil's Marbles, which is probably about five or ten k's away That's up onto a hill. 
Outstanding. Uh, look down on the marbles there on the sunset and have a wine. Yep. Oh, it's tremendous. But we take it a bit for granted here, and that's what we're trying to push a little bit in Central Australia and right across the Territory, in fact, with all these lockdowns, is get out and enjoy your own backyard now. No Spend idea. your money locally. Got Go it. out to Hermansburg and see where Ab- Albert Namajira was born and where he did all these paintings and all that sort of stuff. So mm. we're really hot on that at the moment. So. Magnificent. Yeah. Well, that is our mm. sports slash uh, tourism uh, segment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> covering the Come up. We need you. We need you when you're when you're out of lockdown. <laughs> Thank you, Rens. Great to catch up. Hey, thanks for having me on your show. Brilliant. You do a great job. Thank you very much. Uh, endorsed by uh, Adrian Renzi, host of Central Australia Today on uh, 8HA, of course, an institution as a radio station in the heart of Australia and looking forward to getting uh, back there. Plenty more to come on the Sporting Capital. Oh, yeah. The Sporting Capital on SEN, your home of sport. Great to spend a Tuesday night with you, uh, Brett Phillips. Happy to take uh, your calls uh, this hour. Anything you want to talk about in the world of sport, lines are open. We can reminisce. We can do anything. one 736 736 On the temper text, a mattress like no other. 0433981116. It has certainly been a big few hours. It's been a very big day in terms of uh, AFL news. And as we speak right now, both Adelaide and Port Adelaide are in transit to Melbourne. <laughs> the day started with them playing in Adelaide. We saw the fixture, the Round 19 fixture come out yesterday and it was uh, going to be, of course, uh, Collingwood and Hawthorne heading to Adelaide this weekend. Well, that took a very different turn today and on time on, just after six tonight, Andrew Hayes, of course, co-host of SENSA Breakfast, and with Channel 7, explain the timeline on the Port Adelaide-Adelaide situation to us. It's unbelievable. So we've been following this in the newsroom as well. So it, it all started Sunday night. So we'll, we'll go through the timeline. So Sunday night, there were questions on if Port's game would be moved forward. Um, and so that was a big deal for us because we were thinking, oh, geez, it's Travis Bokes 300th, so we don't want too many interruptions. It's a big, big occasion. The other one was Hawthorne. Would they be playing uh, the Crows instead of the Dogs? So there was plenty to talk about there. Yesterday, um, so the big thing was there'd be no crowd for Travis Bokes' uh, big milestone match. Big deal there. We thought, well, we'll just get their head around that. And today, both sides couldn't get a guarantee they'd get a training exemption. So that was a word. They were off uh, probably for at least a couple of weeks or just until things returned to normal a little bit. Um, as you'd imagine as well, there's issues with border restrictions and all those types of things with the other states saying no to South Australia. Yep. So both clubs turned up to their bases, bags packed um, this afternoon, expecting to get on a bus to a chartered flight, only to be told, boys, go back home and you're not going anywhere. So then the word from that was they were going to bring the showdown forward, the Round 21 showdown forward, and say, look, we still want to play football. Mm. There won't be a crowd. Um, so instead of playing no football, we'll keep something going. So that was fine. Uh, we're going to go with that. Then, all of a sudden, uh, our very good friend, Miles Fitzner, of course, uh, one of the uh, SEN yes. family, tweeted out, big reversal, Port and the Crows flying out to Melbourne. So what we're hearing is that's going to happen uh, at 9 o'clock tonight. Right. They're allowed to bring their families as okay. well, is what we understand. Yep. Um, so they're off. And like you mentioned before, it does make sense. Next three games, Port and Crows both playing Melbourne side before they play each other. Um, don't need to worry about training exemptions and all those types of things. And then you mentioned before, Port playing the Pies, Marvel on Friday night. The Crows playing the Hawks, Marvel on Saturday night just after the North uh, and Carlton game. So 
Jeez, if you're playing along at home, Oof. it was a real refresh your phone every five minutes yeah. type setup. Yep. Um, and by the end of tonight, maybe by the end of time on, I think um, there'll be a fixture update where either Port Adelaide or the Crows will be playing somewhere, uh, someone on the moon. <laughs> yes. That'll be the latest, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's mind boggling, isn't it? When I sort of uh, listen to Andrew again uh, with that, it's. Uh, been an incredible day for Port Adelaide and Adelaide. So just to confirm, the updates to the Round 19 fixture. So Port Adelaide versus Collingwood to remain on Friday night will commence at uh, uh, 7.10 Eastern. It'll be played at Marvel Stadium as the Victorian venue preferred by Port Adelaide for the match. Adelaide versus Hawthorne to remain this Saturday. It'll now commence at 7.40pm Eastern. It'll be played at Marvel Stadium in line with the preference of the Adelaide Crows and having regard to venue availability and broadcast and other logistics. So Marvel Stadium will accordingly host a doubleheader this Saturday with Carlton and North Melbourne to uh, play at 1.45 in the afternoon. So AFL... EGM Clubs and Broadcasting, uh, Travis Old, has said in light of the new South Australian border restrictions, which have come into effect uh, uh, tonight and their own lockdown effective for the next seven days at least, the best way for the two clubs to have continuity with training and matches was to bring them to Victoria. That was one of the issues, certainly, for Port Adelaide and Adelaide, who weren't going to be allowed to train uh, this week, which was a, a major issue. So the quote from Travis Old tonight, as we continue to navigate the challenges presented, we'd like to thank all the state and territory governments, the clubs, players, coaches, umpires, staff, AFLPA, broadcast partners, and all the families for their continued patience and support. Uh, today presented a very different challenge and full credit to both the Crows and Port Adelaide for responding quickly and professionally to be ready to fly out this afternoon. We had not been able to secure an exemption for the SA-based teams to train over the next week, and this afternoon we're informed that the South Australian Government could not provide permission for any games in Adelaide to go ahead on the weekend. As a result, it was clear that the two uh, SA-based teams would not be able to continue in the competition without relocating from South Australia to Victoria. Our decision-making changes as circumstances change, and we understand how difficult it is for everyone. However, when it was determined that we couldn't play a game in SA at all, it forced our hand. While it is disappointing for the South Australian community, and our thoughts are with them, we needed to move the teams to ensure they could train this week and play their matches this weekend. With both clubs having to relocate home matches this week, we have worked with each of them to schedule their matches at their preferred venue in Victoria. So... Port Adelaide, Collingwood, uh, Friday night. Carlton, North Melbourne on a big Saturday of footy. It'll be 1.45 marble. Brisbane, Gold Coast at the Gabba, 3.20. All these uh, eastern uh, times, of course. West Coast versus uh, St Kilda at Optus Stadium, which will be at uh, 4.35 eastern on Saturday. Melbourne and the Bulldogs at the MCG, 7.25. Adelaide up against uh, Hawthorne at uh, Marvel Stadium, at 7.40. Sunday, Sydney versus Fremantle at Metricon Stadium at 12.30. Geelong and Richmond at the MCG uh, with uh, the uh, time to be confirmed. And Essendon up against the Giants, uh, time to be confirmed and venue uh, to be uh, confirmed. So that's how it all sits as we stand right here and now with Port Adelaide and Adelaide due uh, any minute to land into Tullamarine tonight to uh, bunker down here and play at least the next week and who knows what uh, happens uh, beyond that. That full chat with Andrew Hayes you can uh, listen to as part of our uh, Time On uh, podcast available at sen.com.au right now. Also, uh, we spoke to Zach Langdon. You can have a listen to that from the Eagles. They're in a, well, 
much better position than certainly the rest of the country. And we know that Mark McGowan, very, very strict. You're not coming into WA. Very, very, very strict. So the Saints, of course, got over there with the uh, uh, exemption, of course, last weekend, although they've lost Rowan Marshall, which is a huge blow, uh, being ex- exposed to a Tier 1 uh, site uh, here in uh, Melbourne. So unfortunately, Marshall is out of that game uh, on uh, the weekend. In fact, uh, Simon Lethleen, just to recap that, was on uh, SEN Drive uh, earlier today just to update us on the Rowan Marshall uh, situation. Rowan became aware of, um, in the updating of uh, exposure sites that goes on every 24 hours, um, that he'd been at a Tier 1 exposure site um, last week. Uh, which only which only got, got listed on Sunday night, so he made us aware of that. Um, we've alerted the AFL and gone through all the usual protocols and, and everything else now with the authorities, so he now needs to isolate uh, for 14 days, which means he'll be unavailable for this weekend's game against West Coast, um, but based on those timings, he'll be available for our Round 20 game, wherever that might be. Yeah, big blow, no doubt, for the Saints. Uh, the uh, Marshall-Ryder combination... Uh, when they're together, it certainly produces a far different result, and he is uh, being pivotal. So it's one of those seasons where um, you know, everything that can go wrong for clubs uh, is going wrong. I mean, there's already enough uh, players who are injured. The injury lists are quite long for a lot of clubs, and you add in that element, as we saw with the Giants in Sydney on uh, Sunday, having players taken out uh, for reasons um, nothing to do with uh, injury. One on the text here, AFL just so lucky no player this year and now has not tested, uh, been tested positive of COVID. Hate to think what would happen if that uh, does happen. Well, yeah, let's hope that uh, none of that uh, happens and derails the uh, the season uh, totally. Just a couple of uh, bits I wanted to play you from AFL 360 uh, tonight with Jared and um, Gally Lyon, uh, who normally cross paths in the uh, studio here every morning, but uh, in the co-host chair together, uh, with no Robbo uh, tonight. Adam Trelaw, who would be a great inclusion for the Bulldogs in the latter part of the year. We know what impact he made coming across from the Pies, but uh, Adam Trelaw, just on a, on a little update on his recovery from syndesmosis. Um, oh, obviously, Premiership Cup, Gary. Um, uh, having been close in, in 2018, um, it's, it's obviously what every boy playing AFL dreams of, so um, ideally get back in the next couple of weeks, which um, I've got a, a nice uh, training block ahead of me in the next couple of weeks and um, put myself in good stead to hopefully get the last few games of the home the way season and then obviously, yeah, push deep into the finals and, and ultimately win that premiership. That's obviously what um, all, all guys play for and that's exactly what I'm playing for. What's your ideal? Is it round 22? Um... I would love to get back as soon as possible, Jared. But for me, um, I'm always very optimistic. So um, I'm hoping around round 21. Um, there's no, uh, yeah, there's there's no guarantees or anything. I've got to make sure I get through a, a good couple of weeks of training. Um, the ankle itself is feeling feeling really good. So obviously, um, I'll fully heal from that. It's just about um, reloading, making sure we're looking after the rest of my body with my soft tissue and um, all that other things that goes with playing at the elite level. So um, yeah, looking to build on two week block and push to get back in a couple of weeks. So that was uh, Adam Trelaw having a chat to uh, Jared and Gary on AFL 360 on Fox uh, tonight. And, gee, for a lot of these teams at the pointy end, we know Melbourne is generally pretty healthy. The Dogs are missing some players. Um, Brisbane is the other team that are missing some players. Port Adelaide is missing some players. Who can get their key personnel back 
at the right time and, and time this run and just get everything clicking. There's so much to play out in trying to determine who's going to win the uh, premiership this year. Uh, one team that we still think is absolutely in contention for the uh, top eight, I think everyone in the football universe, not totally prepared to write them off, but maybe prepared to say that winning the premiership this year is going to be really, really tough. And then you add in that there's going to be no Dustin Martin. We speak of Richmond. Jack Revolt in his uh, weekly slot on AFL 360, uh, chatting about uh, the loss of Dusty Martin. Yeah, been chatting to, to Daz most nights, um, just checking in on him. Obviously, uh, it's a uh, yeah, pretty serious injury with that kidney uh, laceration. So, um, yeah, he's three months without contact. Uh, so, clearly, the season's uh, done and dusted for him. But uh, most importantly, it's uh, we're, we've all had to fly back to to the uh, to Victoria due to the permit from from Queensland. So um, we've got a couple of people up in the ground that are based in Queensland that are that are helping him out. But um, no, look, hopefully we can get him out of hospital soon. Um, let him do some rest and recovery up 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 there in the Sunshine State, and then we'll be looking forward to getting him back around the club and around his mates because um, no doubt he'd be itching to get back into it in some capacity. Even just watching on the weekend, he was coaching in that last quarter yeah. uh, with lacerated kidney, which sort of <laughs> <laughs> sums him up really he's, he's, he's tough as uh, tough as nails Mars and uh, yeah we are sorely going to miss him uh, no doubt he's been durable hasn't he I mean Dustin Martin has well hardly missed a game for the best part of uh, four or five years might even be longer I can't even think the the, the, the last period where uh, Dusty missed a, a real stretch of games but uh, no one player makes a team he makes a hell of a difference no doubt but uh, I think Edward's due to get back uh, this week and Richmond will need his class and uh, others who can uh, get off the injury table and get into that Richmond team. So much uh, still to play out. Uh, I just wanted to play, and this is interesting, I heard Sam Edmund talking about this on SEN earlier today, about you know, the, the issue now with transmission in, in open stadiums and the thought process around the government and the health officials as to, okay, how's this going to look going forward, particularly for Melbourne here? and the possibility of the MCG hosting the grand final and what sort of crowds are we going to be able to get back and how's it going to be done? So from what we understand from the government, there's certainly a new plan for stadiums to uh, wear masks at all times, uh, staggered entry times, no food and drink has certainly been put on the table to um, stop you know congregating in, in small areas, uh, bigger spread of seating, proof of vaccine um, possible, uh, it looks like it's going to be very, very hard to get back to that at least 75% capacity. And it seems like 60,000 is the sort of threshold number contractually to keep the uh, grand final at the at the MCG. So there's a, there's a lot going on, as we know, behind the scenes. But uh, Jared and Gary, on a, on a no vaccination, they had a chat about it on AFL 360 tonight and the no entry policy uh, in regard to whether you got a vaccine into the grand final. Let's uh, tune into that discussion. So Sam told us during the day that the plans are being redrawn, so particularly around the MCG, what would it look like? Potentially no food and beverage venues at all mm-hmm. within the ground, masks at all times, and various other parameters which there was a confidence around the plans that had been put in place and they have held up very well at the MCG. I think the scenes around Amy Park suggested that they hadn't executed their own plans as well as they might have. Mm. Even um, uh, lines to come into the ground that might resemble what you'd see at an airport, yeah. for instance, not the, the full surge. Vaccines. So this is the, 
That's the one that wasn't counting today because that's a huge cultural discussion. Good luck getting w- that one. Through. Would we limit yeah. a grand final crowd to only the vaccinated? It'd be rich incentive, but it'd be culturally divisive. It could be a night. It could be a bigger show outside the ground than inside. Yeah, the case. yeah. Uh, look, I, I understand the pessimism. I'm, I'm hoping for the best, but I also have a pessimism. But having said that, you open your mind to the possibility of Perth, for instance. So what's the is the threshold in your mind? So Perth can have 60,000 capacity. Yeah. It sort of feels like it would have to be plus 60,000 to justify the MCG. Uh, I think that would be the case. But I think also some of those situations surrounding it would have to be taken into account. And then we'll get to a stage where it will become just too hard. And when you've got an experience that we've seen, particularly this year, put in place in Perth, and it's viable, and it's 60,000, and these are extraordinary times, then maybe we've got to get our head around that. Yep. So where do you sit on all that? You actually, when, you, when you hear everything today, are you comfortable going to the footy in, in light of what's happening? As, as the AFL and the health officials try and determine what sort of numbers are going to be able to go to the football? I think it makes sense from a grand final point of view. I've always had the simple view. I think you've got to, you've got to have the grand final at the ground that can hold the biggest capacity. You can't be having a half-full MCG for grand final day, in my view. So if if it's 60,000 and you get a full Optus Stadium, that's where it has to be. I, I think just black and white on that one. But I'm happy to hear your view. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll take your calls, texts, and a lot more to come. We'll hear from Travis Spoke as well next on The Sporting Capital. The Sporting Capital on SEN, your home of sport. It certainly is. Uh, Brett Phillips with you tonight. A couple on the uh, text coming through. Give us a call too. 1300 736 736. Travis Boken, just a moment. The Port Adelaide superstar hit a game number 300. He thought he was playing at home, then away, and home, then away. And oh, what a day. What a day. But uh, you know, as Andrew Hayes told us a little earlier, uh, there's. Uh, a fair chance they're going to try and get the families across of the uh, South Australian uh, players, uh, the Adelaide and Port Adelaide teams, you know, all that to all that to play out. Uh, Big L has sent through a text. Uh, hello, great man. You're very kind, Big L. Hope you're well. Just want to share with you uh, that the great Jason Akamana sent me a video message today wishing me very well, and I'm in hospital recovering. It made my day. All I need now to hear is the Fitzroy theme song, if possible. Well, I'll tell you what, Nifty uh, might uh, look it up out there, Big Al. We might be able to dig it out just for you and me, the Fitzroy theme song. I've done this for L before, but we'll... Um, in fact, we got it now, Nige? Let's just... Uh, here we go. Big Al, this is for you in hospital right now. Sing it with me. Here we go. We are the boys from home. Fitzroy, we wear the colours of road and blue. Yeah. We will always fight for the... Said a bit ill. <laughs> Got the wobbles. <laughs> oh, they were the days, Big L. Hope that's cheered you up in hospital, my friend. Best theme song in the business. We didn't belt it out every week. 
when we did, it was good. It's just got a little pear shape. A little rusty has been sitting in the system. Hasn't been played for 25 years. Uh, it was like the old Roy Orbison. My dad used to do a lot of trips up to New South Wales. He used to have the cassettes, the Roy Orbison cassettes in his car, and he played it that many times. <laughs> it's, it's disastrously ill uh, by the end of it all. Thank you, Al. Uh, Hawthorne will make the finals next year for Clarkson if he stays on the text. Nice. Now Adelaide is in Melbourne. Shouldn't dogs play them as schedules so that Melbourne and the dogs can play after the lockdown in a genuine blockbuster? I suppose the hard bit, Brian and Dramana, is we, we, how do we know? How does the AFL plan ahead to guarantee that that game can be played in front of a crowd? I mean, I don't even know what's going to happen in the next uh, half an hour. Seems ridiculous to me. The round 20 games now have to be moved. Yeah, it's a difficult one. It is a difficult one uh, right now. So anyway, I'll leave that to the administrators to try and sort out. Uh, Travis Boak has uh, had a chat to uh, Vicky Schwartz on Nine News in Adelaide uh, tonight. Obviously all the running around of Port Adelaide and Adelaide trying to get to Melbourne, which they are touching down uh, about as we speak. Uh, looking at game 300, uh, about wanting to stay at Elberton because he had the, the overtures to come back to Victoria a number of years ago. Hasn't ruled out potentially playing game number 400. Trevor spoke. That, uh, that's out of my control and sort of just continue to enjoy the week, continue to um, you know enjoy what is and, and we'll enjoy the night for, for whatever it is. I can remember running out for my first game, how, how proud I was to, to put on the Port Adelaide jumper. And I hope so. Uh, that means I'm, uh, I'm, my body's still good and, and my mind's still good and I'm loving the game. And if you had asked me that five or six years ago, it was get straight out of footy and, and back to Torquay and, and, and do something different. But I love the whole footy environment and helping you know our younger guys evolve. I've got family around me, whether they can come to the game or not. Uh, still unsure, but I know that you know they're there to, to support me, and whatever happens, uh, I know it'll still be a special night. Uh, there he is. Mm. Uh, that was uh, Trevor Spoke on uh, Nine News uh, a little earlier uh, tonight. Of course, game number three hundred. Would love to have played it in Adelaide. It's now going to be at Marvel Stadium on uh, Friday night, and hopefully for Travis, there can be some people there who have been a big part of his journey somehow. I don't know. It's all to play out. Big L, thank you. Uh, great that you enjoyed that uh, that rendition of the Fitzroy theme song. Was that you off key, BP? That's not very nice. I actually think my singing is exceptional. Yeah, probably was. Little, I mean, it's after ten thirty, so not at my uh, not at my absolute uh, sharpest at this time of the night. Let me tell you, I uh, if I wasn't sitting in this studio. I would have passed out about 8.30 on the couch. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Cats can't afford to let another premiership elude them. No excuses this season. It's on their shoulders to deliver. No more bridesmaids. No more excuses. That's pretty emphatic, Tony. Well, if you look at Chris Scott and what he's achieved, I mean, he's got the best winning ratio of any current-day coach in the home-and-away season. It's just the finals that they haven't been able to get the, the job done. So they've added in... Higgins have added in Isaac Smith, have added in Jeremy Cameron to the experience they've got. I mean, he deserves to at least win two premierships and be a dual premiership coach, which puts you into another category, uh, certainly as a coach. And he, oh, look, 
it was on a hiding to nothing. You win a premiership in your first year as an AFL coach and you know, there's a lot to uh, live up to. But um, if you look at all those teams, because we're not sure about Melbourne, we're just not quite sure about the Bulldogs. We're not sure about Port Adelaide. We're not sure about Brisbane. Sydney are sort of the wild card, aren't they? And then the, whoever takes up the last couple of spots, we're thinking maybe they're not really going to do that much damage. And it's, it's a huge ask. We haven't seen it for quite some time, a team coming out outside the top four. But Geelong are the one who have had this group is fairly experienced group. They've injected some youth, but fairly experienced at the top end there for quite some time. Who have continually played finals. They've been around the pointy end. So I don't know. I'm not totally convinced uh, just yet. I still, for me, and this is all subjective and, you know, everyone sees it through a different lens. For me, it's still just that that uh, middle uh, to, to lower tier of their team that I still just worry about that uh, mightn't be able to uh, totally get it done. But we will uh, wait and see. There's so much to play out. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, final series that we're going to have. But who knows how all that's going to play out over the next four to five weeks. It's one round at a time. Let's get through round number 19 and we'll reassess. A break back with plenty more on the Sporting Capital. The Sporting Capital on SEN, your home of sport. Welcome back. Uh, plenty flooding in on the uh, SMS. We'll bring you a bit of Alex Carey shortly. Great chat with Jared Whateley earlier today. Early hours, I think about 4.30 tomorrow morning. Alex will captain the Australian one-day team against the West Indies in uh, Barbados. We'll have to get up and watch uh, a little bit of that. Uh, Ash Barty should be Australian of the year. Karen of Sunshine, you love Ash Barty. And who doesn't? I've seen she's arrived today in Tokyo uh, for the Olympics. I think I read that she's maybe not staying at the Olympic Village. I need to just clarify that. Mick, can we just chase that up, Matt Ashbarty? I'm sure I read a little excerpt. Uh, in fact, I had another tennis question here. Will the Olympic tournament have lines people uh, like uh, Wimbledon or use technology as per the uh, Aussie Open? Uh, not uh, staying in the Olympic Village. Wonder why. Any more details? Mick, can you just put that on the screen? Oh, yeah, that's that's fascinating with Ash Barty not staying in the Olympic Village. Not sure why on that. Uh, in terms of the technology, I just texted Jamin Crabb, the captain of the Australian men's Olympic team. So we'll see if I get an answer in the next uh, three or four minutes on that one. I'm not 100% sure, to be totally honest. I follow the Ds, the ups and downs. Uh, on sorry, the ups and all the miserable downs, but I salute the exceptional swans. Uh, give their all, enormously talented. I don't envy their success, a club to be admired. Well said, Tony. I mean, they, they uh, as a club, have given the best value for money of any club for the past, what, 15 years? You know, and I, I love going. I mean, I, we've hardly travelled now with AFL Nation in the last uh, uh, 18 months, but I loved going to the SCG. They, they've become real rusted on hardcore tennis fans. Sorry, tennis fans, uh, footy fans, the Sydney Swans supporters. Uh, it's a good day out at the SCG, and boy, oh boy, what they're doing is uh, is incredible. Accommodation to suit the Australian athletes' needs. What does that mean? Accommodation to suit the Australian athletes' needs 
in regard to Ash Barty. I don't know what that means exactly. I need some elaboration. That's left me a little uh, perplexed. What special special privileges for the Wimbledon uh, champion? Yeah, don't know. I'll have to do some more digging on that one. What else have we got? We had the Fitzroy theme song, BP, as our last song at our wedding 27 years ago. Half your luck. Thanks for taking us back in time. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good stuff. I should have played it at my wedding. Might be still married. <laughs> I should say. <laughs> uh, thank you, uh, BP, for playing the Fitzroy song. I barrack for the dogs, but it was great to hear their song. I think we should stop the AFL season to uh, to settle everything down. What do you think? Nuts at it, uh, Caroline Springs. Nuts, I reckon we keep going. It's, I love the rain delay in cricket analogy that's been used in the last 48 hours because when the rain starts falling in the cricket, you can't come back on. You've got to stay in there and play cards or whatever tickles your fancy. We're just going to play through the rain. Play through the trickle of rain and just get through because there is some danger. Who knows? This thing is... So unpredictable. We would hate to get to right now and be sitting here in two months' time and there's no completed season. I mean, it'd be devastating. I think we've just got to keep ploughing on somehow. So Ash Barty will be based outside the Athletes' Village during the Tokyo Olympics with Australia's team boss confident the alternative accommodation will bolster her bid for gold. A little excerpt from the Perth Now, a little article that's bubbling all the way online. Okay, I wonder how many. Wonder how that applies for um, a lot of the athletes, and who gets that sort of uh, treatment. That's uh, really interesting. We're going to take a break and come back next on the Sporting Capital. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.